Jamal Crawford of the LA Clippers. You're now tuning in to Cruise Control, hosted by my man, Randy Cruz. Holla. This is the Cruise Control Podcast here live in New York City, Tuesday night, February 9th, 2016. I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Mr. Jamal Crawford, guard of the L.A. Clippers. Jamal Crawford, what's up, my man? How you doing? I'm chilling, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, you know me, I, I live in New York. It's getting cold up here. Uh, I, thought, I thought we were going to have an early spring. It's like 40 degrees out here. It's cold out here, man. It's freezing out there right now, man. That's the one thing I don't miss. I miss the seasons, but I don't miss how cold it is. We're in Boston right now, so it's freezing out here, too. Yeah, man. I know you're in L.A. You get, like, 75-degree weather, Christmas and everything. I'm jealous, man, for real. Yeah, don't be jealous, though. It's wonderful, but you like to have the change up. You know what I mean? Just to appreciate the seasons because if it's sunny all the time, you know, you don't want to take it for granted. Exactly. Uh, Jamal Crawford, NBA, LA Clippers. He's on Twitter at jcrossover. So um, let's get let's get right into it, man. We got All-Star Weekend coming up this weekend. I, I, I want to know what's your plans for the All-Star Weekend. Some, some players go on vacation. They go out the country. Some lay low or just want to heal up on some injuries. What do you have planned for the All-Star Weekend? I'm going home. I'm going to Seattle. Uh, you know, for me, that's always like my safe haven, and I get a chance to rest, relax, and, and see my family and friends I don't get a chance to see most of the year. And I think when you do that, you know, it, it re-energizes you for that second half of the season for that late push. You know, I'm still be in the gym regardless, but after I handle my business with that, I'll be, you know, spending time with friends and family I haven't seen since the summer. Now, you know, there have been many times to me that I can count that you should have made the All-Star team. I'm not I'm not just saying that because you're on the show, but quite a few times when you made, you know, the Sixth Man of the Year award, I'm like, Jamal Crawford should have been an All-Star. Um, how many times do you feel deep inside that you should have been an All-Star? Three. To be honest with you, I think the, my first year in Atlanta, I was averaging 18 at the time. We were third in the East, and we got two guys. We got Joe and Al. But I thought we could have got one or two more because we our record was so up there. And um, like I said, I was averaging 18, but I was a six man. And then the last six man to have been an all star was Kobe Bryant. He was actually voted on. You know what I mean? So that's that's different in itself. That, that mm. was the fans vote. Then the last time, the second time was uh, well, maybe the last time. I'll go back. But the the other time I was six man. Um, Charles Barkley, Chris, whoever they actually had me on their, their, you know how they pull up the who should make it, who shouldn't. They had me on their list. Right. So I was making the all-star team. And, again, at that time, we were fighting for first in the whole league with our record. It wasn't just in the West. You know what I mean? We ended up being, like, second-best record in the whole league. And Blake and Chris were voted on. So I thought that, you know, the coaches would reward at least one guy on our team. And I didn't get it that, that time either. And then I think just with the Knicks, when he was averaging 21 and 5, and uh, Joe Johnson had made it, and he was averaging close to the same numbers, but they had a few more wins. But it's not 3 2 for sure. I thought I should have got it. Now I heard earlier you were, you were on the um, Sirius XM show um, that that I heard today, and then you were talking about how that you know if you were to be in an All Star game, that you have nine moves that nobody has ever seen before that you would have pulled off in the All Star game. Uh, can you elaborate what kind of moves we could have seen from Jay Crossover in the All Star game? You know how like when when T Mac did the one off the backboard move and everybody was talking about it. Okay. Like he was like, okay, that was the move. You know. 
know, I could easily have done nine of those moves. And for T-Mac, that situation, it didn't necessarily have to be the perfect situation, but a lot of things had to go right to come through the lane and, and be able to do that. You know what I mean? Throw off the backboard and just dunk like that. But uh-huh. I could pretty much do any one of these moves with the ball. You know, so it could have happened any time, at any time down the court. Okay, so now, quick question. I, you cannot pick yourself. Who in the NBA do you feel has, like, the best crossover the, the, or the best handle right now currently? Not not including uh, you. Yeah, not including me. Um, well, I think Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving. And I think Chris Paul has a mean handle as well. And obviously I see him every single night, so people may say I'm biased. But, it, okay, mm. I take him out because he was to take the bias, you know, thing mm. out of there. I would say uh, Kyrie and Steph. I think one one of the uh, of the best moments I seen you do. Um, I, I think it was in Chicago. You were with the Knicks, and you you put the ball in between your legs. So you came from the right hand side, put it between your legs to the left hand, and did the quick behind the back. I forgot who was guarding you. Um, Aaron McKee. I and... think that was my first. I that move. <laughs> like perfect example. Since you said that one, uh-huh. there's an actual. That was the shortened version. There's a longer version to that move that only needed a millisecond more to pull off, but it had such a dramatic swing on that whole move. And I was gonna pull. I would have pulled that off in the All Star game. Now, you so... know what I'm saying? Like moves like that. Like that move. There's a longer version. It looks even crazier than that. Now it's so crazy that every time every time I try to play ball, notice I say try to play ball. I, I like basketball, but I, I ain't that good. But every time I try to do that move, it, it's always it's always a turnover, bro. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's weird because the move is not just like with the ball, your feet. Everything has to be in 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 tune with each other. You know, they all go hand to hand. Right. So now, you know, we are in the middle of um, or the beginning of All-Star Weekend. You mentioned Kobe Bryant earlier. He's in the 20th season of his career. Um, he's going to retire when the season is over. I know you were a big-time Kobe fan. You played against yeah, him m- many times. Day, man. I can't even lie to you. Like, my whole basketball life, he's been in the NBA. So, mm. you know, even when the Lakers haven't been as good the last couple of years, you still, like, I want to see Kobe play because you never know what he's going to do. You know what I mean? So to see that team without him, you see, the league without him is going to be crazy. So now, you know, off the top of your head, do you feel like you have a a, a plus 500 record against Kobe or below 500 record against Kobe? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> it's probably below because the Lakers was kicking our butts for years. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So it may be below. But ever since I've been with the Clippers, you know, the, the record's been pretty good. So you may want to look that one up. It could be. Oh, I am. I am. Either way, yeah, I like to know that. Um, and you know the point I was gonna make was you know you know how people on social media they say you know some guys over the hill wash they should retire or they just have the haters on on social media but I feel like you know when Kobe Bryant does retire a lot of people are gonna really sit back and analyze and, and, and kind of feel like wow you know that time has come. And you know, they can Without talk all the all the stuff they want throughout the years, and it's going to be one of the all time greats not playing playing no more. You know, he'll still be around in the game, but just not having him on the court and teaching the young guys, you know, you know everything about basketball, is going to be like like wow, Kobe Bryant is not in the league no more. You know, right? And and you're absolutely right. Like Kobe's polarizing. You know, he forces you to have an opinion about mm-hmm. it, whether you say. Good or bad, he forces you to have that, and that's 
right. scoring ability and size and championships and all those things. Like, I know there's only one Michael Jordan, but in a different way, there's only one Kobe Bryant as well. So I don't believe that we'll see anything else like him. We're chatting with Jamal Crawford of the L.A. Clippers. Um, you guys are currently 35-17, and 17, fourth in the Western Conference. You got a game tomorrow, like you said, in Boston. Um, you know, you, you guys played, I think, half the season with and without Blake Griffin. Um, just kind of describe the first half of the season playing without Blake and, you know, trying to get everybody back on track and, and healthy for the second half of the season. Well, the first half has been interesting. You know, obviously we made a lot of off-season moves as far as getting our team together, uh, especially the bench, you know, and then uh, myself, Lance, Austin, Josh, Pablo, Cole, Wes, Luke, in a way, we kind of had to figure out how we were going to make it work, you know, and we were struggling for a while, you know, and then um, we kind of stumbled upon something as far as the second unit with Cole playing and Pablo going to the point and then me playing off the ball more and Austin playing off the ball when we started winning a lot of games. And, you know, Doc's kind of like from the old school as far as if something works, we're going to stay with it. And then from that point, you know, the trade happens with Josh. Um, you know, then we lose Blake for a while. And losing Blake is tough because no one person can replace him. But what we do is we lean on each other and we lean on Doc's system. You know, and over the over the years, I miss time. Blake has missed time. CP's missed time. JJ's missed time. And DJ's really been the only constant out of our main guys. So we learned how to play, you know, when somebody's missing, how, you know, what style we're going to play, uh, what plays we're going to run, and what we're going to look for. And I think we've been doing a good job of that here lately. You are a two-time six-man of the year winner, and you're also a 16-year veteran. Now, when I say 16 years, Jamal, are you are you more like, wow, 16 years already? Or do you kind of sit yeah. back and be like, man, yeah. I've been in the league for 16 years? No, both, a little bit of both, but more like, wow, 16 years already because it goes so fast. And Definitely. I feel so like I have so much more basketball to play, you know, so it's just crazy because you see people come and go, whether it be the talent or injury or whatever, mm. you know, not being as focused. So to have that kind of career is just a blessing. You know, and I just thank God for it, and I just want to continue to um, to, to get the most out of it. Jamal Crawford, after the NBA, coach, executive, TV guy in the booth, commentator, ESPN, TNT, whatever it is, uh, player development, what do you think fits you the most um, your during your post-NBA career? Well, I think, honestly, I have options just based upon the relationships I have and, mm-hmm. you know, keep my nose clean, not getting in trouble, trying to treat everybody with respect, whether they can help me with something or not. You know, I think I've learned a lot over the years through experience. And I think, uh, you know, commentating would be good, but I would really like to get in the front office. You know, I think I watch so much basketball and and, and putting teams together, being able to, um, you know, study the game and see what works with what and watching the game. Even to this day, if I'm not playing the summer, I'll go watch the LA Fitness and just watch the whole time. You know, or watch different guys and watch different things and pick up on different things. So I would love to do that. Like I said, you've been in the league for 16 years. You came in uh, in 2000. We are in 2016. A lot has changed in the NBA, social media, sports. Um, what are some things that have drastically changed from before? And then you can kind of wish that, you know what, I wish the NBA was kind of like this. Um, well, on the court, I'll say it's less physical. You know, it's more three-point shooting from the bigs. That was rare. Before, you pretty much had Dirk and Rasheed Wallace who go out there sometimes. That was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. You know, the big guys stay close to the basket, watching all these, you know, stretch forwards, so to speak, and playing small. 
crowd say fashion. You know, I think uh, fashion is one thing that's changed. Remember the baggy clothes era when Iverson was here? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Stefan and everybody. And then I think social media has kind of made everybody their own brand. Like, you can have your own, uh, pretty much like your own press conference, so to speak. You know, you can have something said during an interview. You can, or somebody get something wrong in an interview or anything like that. You can just clean it up or say whatever you need to say. On Twitter, look how Marshawn Lynch just retired. You know, he put up some cleats and a peace sign off his Twitter. <laughs> you know, so everything's different yeah. So, like, my, my thing is this. How how cool is it, knowing that we are in the whole social media age in sports, how cool is it that, you know, when, when most people do a radio show, a podcast, it's, it's usually a former athlete or somebody who actually works at the radio station or TV station. You got your own teammate, J.J. Reddick, who's still currently playing in the NBA, doing a podcast, and he has people like Steve Nash and yourself on. Um, I mean, that, that right there shows you how different – um, the game has changed, has evolved, that you can have your own current teammate having a radio show still in the NBA and having his own teammates on, on, on his show. It has. It really has. And, and just, like, people being able to drop an album just, like, randomly, you know, with no promotion, no nothing. Right. And they could just say it on social media. It's just unbelievable. It take months of marketing to, to get the build-up going. You know what I mean? Like, it's changed everything. It really has changed the game. And I think it'll stick around because more people like it. It gives everybody a voice. It gives everybody uh, power, a certain power, so to speak. Now, who came up with that whole, you know, you got to get to the locker room first before you yeah, dance? Oh, Pierce. Oh, oh really? Pierce came with that. <laughs> came up with it. I don't know where they did that. I'm not sure they did it in Boston or in Washington or Brooklyn or where. Uh. But he came up with it. And with that, um, it's been crazy. It's been fun, though. It, it really builds team camaraderie because you see different guys pull out their moves after a game. Nobody wants to be last, though. I can tell you right. that much. You know, so it's pretty cool to see. But uh, it, when you have to go through it, you know, you got to make the best of the situation. So I'm guessing as soon as that buzzer hits zero, you are zooming to, to the locker room, bro, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, I missed, I missed a couple interviews to make sure, to ensure that I don't, I don't have to dance again. So who, who has been voted as the best dancer from the Clippers? Well, I was at first. You know, they okay. said it looked like I choreographed mine. So <laughs> I, was one of them. I was one of them, and I think who else was good? because he made us change the beat. It was almost like a, a Diddy remix, so it was cool. Mm. <clears throat> you are from Seattle, Jamal. I, I, I have not been to Seattle. I, it, it is one city that I do want to um, take a trip out to soon. Um, but a lot of NBA guys are from Seattle. You, you know, yourself, Nate Robinson, you know, B-Roy, Spencer Hawes. Um, what is it about Seattle and the state of Washington that, that produces a lot of great you know, NBA players? I think the fact that we all stick together. We really do. You know, I feel like it's just the culture. I would go to different cities and, you know, you would have one player over here. He would have his crew of guys he would hang with and another player over here and another player over here, but they never really did anything together. So if Spencer Hawes is having a camp, he knows we're all going to be there. If I'm having my pro-am, I know everybody's going to show up. If Nate Robinson is having an opening for chicken and waffles, he knows we're all going to show up. If Isaiah is having his weekend, you know, he knows we're going to show up and support. And I think that's what it's about. And the, young, the younger generation is seeing that. And they know they can stick together as well. You know, you compete on the court, but after that, it's family. You know, and 
pulling for each other. Right. Like, I mean, like I said, I, I've never been there. Hopefully, I, I get a chance to go there. But can you describe the um, the city of Seattle to someone like me or someone who's never been to Seattle? What is it like over there? It's just unbelievable. The people are nice. I think the first thing you'll notice as soon as you land is how clean it is. And the air is so clean and crisp. Mm-hmm. And then the people are just really, really nice. You know, it's a lot to do. Uh, there's always something it, people will speak to you out there on the street. You know, hey, how you doing? Hello. Well, they know you're not. And it's a very, you know, welcoming type feeling. So just go in there. I always tell people, if you go there in the summer, you may move there because it's that, it's that special of a place. Right. Now, you know, uh, when I was growing up, Jamal, I, I, I grew up a Chicago Bull fan. I think majority of people uh, would say that d- during the, the whole MJ Pippen era. Uh, later on, I became a Knicks fan. But there was one team that I always – rooted for on the side and that was the Seattle Supersonics and I, I I wore the hat I wore the Sean Kemp Gary Payton jerseys um I, I, I've always been a fan of the Sonics I had Sean Kemp on, on the show about a month and a half ago and I asked him the same question like you know what is it going to take to have or have a discussion about having the Sonics back in Seattle and how vital it would be to bring basketball back to Seattle yeah I think it'd be important you know it Having the Sonics when I was coming up was just special because that was, those were my dreams, you know. So to be able to talk to a Gary Payton or a Sean Kemp or a Detlef Shrimp or, you know, guys like that, and it, it made my dreams a reality, you know. And I think that's also part of our job right now in Seattle, not having a team, to have myself and Isaiah and, and, and Nate and Brandon and all these guys, you know, be around and be in a community because these kids don't have the, the Sonics to look up to. So that's why I think having the program is just as important. And I always ask the kids who they want to see, you know, whether it's a Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or Blake Griffin or Chris Paul or, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge or whoever it may be, John Wall. It's because these kids have only seen them on TV or on SportsCenter or playing video games. They haven't seen them in person. You know, so always go seek out who the kids want to see because it's all about them anyway. Uh, I do plan on you know, making that attempt to go to, to the Seattle program with my brother this summer. Um, hopefully we do make time. But when I saw Zach Levine do what he did last summer, um, you know, that that thing went viral in like two minutes on YouTube and BallsLife.com. And, and you just saw the crowd reaction. I saw a picture or a video of the lines trying to get in, going, going around the block. And it's it, it just phenomenal of, of the job you've been able to do with that Pro-Am tournament. Thank you. I appreciate it. And Zach, that kind of set the platform for Zach to get in the dunk contest. It wasn't the dunks he got in the season. It was in the summer. Like you said, it went viral. And honestly, and me and him have talked about the dunks he did in the summer were better than the ones he did in the dunk contest. So, you know, having that platform where people are like, oh, man, this is one of the best programs in the country. You know, we have to get out there and see that. I think that's special, you know, because it started from just, you know, Doug Christie, and then after that, kind of a cracker box gym. We just had to keep building it and building it and working it up and working it up. And now it's the best program in the country, you know, and now we, we can have a who's who of who's coming along with those kids, seeing everybody there and there for free, you know, along with our community having basketball games to hopefully the Sonics get back. Right. And I think it's a safe bet that Zach Levine is going to win the dunk contest again, right? I would consider that a safe bet, yeah. <laughs> um, 
true story, and, and this is what I, I tell people all the time, and again, not because you're on the show, but when people ask me, when they used to, you know, know find out that I used to work for the Knicks, and I, I still currently do doing basketball clinics, but they say, you know what, the people during that time, like, who was the coolest person, who was the coolest dude you ever met in the NBA, um, whether it's from the Knicks or anybody, and I always say two people. I say Steve Nash, and I say Jamal Crawford, and I, and I, and I always put your name out there because I'm like, Every time I spoke to Jamal, it was cool, calm, collective. He's always down to earth, um, never disrespectful. He he's always in 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 a good uh, good mood, good manner. And I'm like, the the work that he does off the court in the community in Seattle and the communities that you've been involved in for uh, all the teams you played for, you give back to the kids and everything. It's just like some of that stuff doesn't get out there and, and some of the when it comes to pro athletes a lot of the negative stuff is out in the in the social media and the papers but some of the some of the good work does not get out there like you do and like i said the pro-am every time you give back to communities um just how you are on and off the court i just really loved and admired and i tell people if you ever get a chance to meet jamal crawford um you'll know exactly what i'm talking about i appreciate that and that means everything i think um having those interactions with pro athletes as a child and and my dad used to work on like tv sets you know he'd work on different shows and i used to ask my dad what was he like or what was he like and he's like oh he was cool or no, he was stuck up or he was arrogant so i always knew if i was ever in a position where people looked at me in that way how i wanted to act and how i wanted to treat people and being a professional athlete doesn't define me what defines you is how you treat people um, and how they receive you, you know, not just the person that you think can help you in life, but anybody, whether it's somebody on the street that's homeless or whether it's President Obama, whoever it might be, right. treating everybody the same, as equal as possible with respect. And I think that goes a lot further than just, hey, I'm famous, I'm a professional basketball player, because that comes and goes, and that's not what life's about anyway. Hey, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some five rapid questions. I, I know I know you gotta go soon, but um, just give me the the first answer that, that that comes to your mind. All right. Okay. All right. I know you're a big Jay Z fan, so you know you might want to take your time answering this. Um, what are your top three Jay Z albums in order? In order, I would say Black Album, Reasonable Doubt. Okay, so help to, to help you out. You, you have Black Album number one. Yeah, I do. Reason with that was dope as well, but the Black Album he was just so refined at that point. Mm-hmm. Like he was so good, he was retiring. Right, right. Like that, like he, he the Reason with that it took twenty six years to make, but the Black Album was like, okay, I can walk out and this is it. So I think, let me see, the Black Album, Reason with that and Blueprint. Okay, Blueprint 1. He, has, he, he literally has three classics. Okay, you know you know what? I would, you know, it, it's tough too because Volume 1 was one of my, no, I'm sorry, Volume 2, Hard Knock Life, was always one of my favorite albums by him. And people was like, well, that's, that's like one of his most commercialized albums. And, you know, but every song was a single on the radio. He made just right. about, uh, every song had a video. And it's the most, um, he made the most money, all, you know, doing, doing, that, doing that album. And I'm like, well, Volume 2... Hard Knock Life went out of this world. That was like his first huge, huge, huge right, right. song. 
So for me, Volume Two, Black Album, and it's a toss up between Blueprint One and and Reasonable Doubt. I would hear everything. I I would hear Black Album, Volume Two, and Blueprint One more than Reasonable Doubt. For some reason, I I, I don't know why, but I think that w- that would be my three. Okay, Reasonable Doubt was crazy though. You need to listen to that album again. <laughs> it was crazy, like crazy, crazy. Listen to that one again with him and Big Ear going and just him and Regrets. I actually seen Jay perform that in its entirety for the 10th anniversary in New York. And it was crazy. Like, you got to you gotta listen to that one. All right. Well, I, all can't right. Knock you. I can't knock you. <laughs> um, what is your favorite TV show slash favorite movie? Favorite TV show of all time is probably Martin. Favorite movie is probably Coming to America. Okay. Any Any reasons why? Martin, he was just hilarious. And, you know, he could basically do anything on that show. He had complete freedom. He was in complete control. And watching his growth, Martin was on House Party. You know what I'm saying? So watching him go from that to being, having the biggest, like, show was crazy to me. All right. Any, uh, a famous person you want to meet but have not met yet? Oh, that's easy. Andre 3000. Oh, okay. Why, why Andre 3000? I just love the way he looks at the world, and I honestly think, like, my game and how I am is very comparable to how he raps and how he is. I just look at the world a little bit differently, like, and he, the way he views himself and the way he goes about his business and does things. Like, people forget Andre 2000 was dope before Hey Ya. A lot of people caught on Hey Ya, but the Outkast was already doing platinum albums, and the rappers always thought he was dope before that. You know what I mean? Like, right. for me, some people think they start paying attention when I got to the Clippers. Like, I was good with the Knicks and with Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's just, I see a lot of comparison. Speaking of the Knicks, how many times do, does somebody write you on Twitter and say, when are you coming back to the Knicks? <laughs> all the time. All, it was worse in the summer, but all the time. Um, all the time. Is there a current player right now in the NBA that reminds you of a younger Jamal Crawford? I'm not sure there's a current one right now, but there's one in college who reminds me of me. He's like a little brother of me, DeJounte Murray at the University of Washington. Okay. Yeah, so check him out on YouTube. DeJounte Murray. That's one that reminds me of me. But right now in the NBA, not, not so much. I think Steph Curry a little bit as far as the way he dribbles and shoots off the dribble, but his, he's shooting it from dang near half court. You know what I'm saying? So right. that's different. So now I, I I also heard you on on JJ Reddick's show and you had this back and forth about your top four point guards ever and you mentioned correct me if I'm wrong you you had Magic Isaiah Stockton and Oscar Robinson right yes sir okay so I you know we can play devil advocate I'm vouching for why someone like Jason Kidd is not on that roster not that he's not on the roster I'm just not sure he. He he beats Magic to me, or Isaiah, or Oscar Robertson, and then John Stockton. He was averaging thirteen and seven and thirteen and eight when he was forty years old, like in year nineteen or twenty. He barely missed games. He didn't win championships, but he came up in the Jordan era, in the Isaiah era, in the Magic era. So the only certain people were gonna win championships at that time. So I can't hold that against him. But Jay Kidd is great. I love Gary Payton as well. 
Right. Um, those two, you know, may have been like in the next class for me. Okay, yeah, I say that because Jason Kidd is my favorite point guard of all time. So I think if JJ Reddick would have asked me that question, JK would have been number one. Plus, you know, I, I, I'm I'm 32 years old. I I did not see Magic in his prime growing up. And usually when I do these top five, top ten, I I tend to pick people that I, that I grew up watching and I saw a majority of their career. So like when it comes to the Big O or Magic. I may not pick him because I didn't see them, you know, outside of, you know, YouTube clips. So Jason Kidd, to me, uh, would be my all-time favorite point guard. Right, and there's nothing wrong with that. I can't fault you for that. That's why they have Oscar one. Not because nobody won't ever average a triple-double, but right. the standpoint, like, I didn't actually see him play. You know, I didn't see him play. I just didn't. But I respect what, you know, his peers say about him and the numbers. I still can't deny that. You know, so that's why I didn't have him one or two, but he was still up there as three for me. Okay, so now I, I'll switch it up. Uh, your top four shooting guards. Who do you got? Oh, Michael, Kobe, D-Wade. And? and I think I got to go with the logo, Jerry West. Okay, all right. Now, where do you where do you have AI, at the one or the two? He's so tricky for me, man. <laughs> like I don't know, but I just don't know. But AI is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite players of all time. He actually was at the game last night when we played Philly. I didn't get a chance to see him, but they showed him on the jumbotron, and I still get you know chills and goosebumps even seeing this dude. So I don't know how I would even you know put him in there. But this guy averaged thirty five different times. He led the league in scoring four times, and he had like. I had 35 pictures on my wall of him in high school. Like, I think personally, he had more of an effect on my game than anybody else. So, I love AI to death. I just don't know where I would put him. So, my final one to you, if you had to pick an all-time starting five, you know, who would you go with? I can go a couple different ways. But for this team, I may do Isaiah the one. Jordan at the two, Magic at the three. Um, Pretty tough, huh? <laughs> maybe, maybe Akeem and Shaq. I'll play two bigs like that. I don't think I'll lose that team. So Isaiah, Michael, Magic, Shaq, and, and, and Akeem. Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> yeah. Your whole, your whole front line is six nine and above. Yeah, I didn't want to do a position. I just had to go like just off of that, you know, because I'm thinking Isaiah's gonna run the, he's gonna run the squad, and he's a little guard, so he could pressure up the, the other guard. Michael Jordan can guard anybody. He'll guard the two to lock that down. The three, you know, I don't want magic on somebody so small. He's six nine, so uh, the threes are usually taller. You know, so I just have him guard that guy. And then the four, Lajuan, and Shaq at the five. I don't know how you beat that team. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't know either, man. I, I got J Kid, I got Michael. The three is always tough because you can go with like Scotty or, or LeBron or, or Larry Bird, so that's always a toss up. The four, it could be Duncan, it could be Barkley, it could be K G. You can go many different ways and the five for me will always be Akeem. I I, I you know, that's no knock on Shaq or, or Patrick Ewan or D. Rob, but just Akeem just kind of, 
you know, he, he set the bar of how the big man was played back then. A guy that can, you know, seven feet, can shoot outside, take you off the dribble. Um, you know, he just always been been my top uh, center of all time. Yeah, I'm not mad at that either. Sam Cassell tell you the same thing. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at that, but I said I want the best of both worlds. I'll, I'll rearrange it and put Hakeem at the four and take Shaq at the five and have both of them. Now, are you ever going to forget all the coaches you've ever played for the NBA? Are you ever going to slip up when somebody asks you that question? <laughs> I may slip up, but I, I, have, I have 95, 98% of it down. So I got, I got enough of those, those people. All right, so how, who are the coaches that had the privilege of coaching Jamal Crawford during the NBA? We had, uh, we started out with Tim Floyd, mm-hmm. and we had Bill Berry as an intern for a couple games. We had Pete Myers for a couple games, that's three. Then we had um, Bill Cartwright come in, four. Scott Skiles, five. We had uh, Lenny Wilkins, six. Herb Williams, seven. Larry Brown, eight. Isaiah Thomas, nine. Mike D'Antoni, 10. Then we had uh, Don Nelson, 11. Then we had Mike Woodson, 12. Larry Drew, 13. Nate McMillan, 14. Caleb Canales, 15. Then we had Benny Del Negro, 16. Doc Rivers, 17. The crazy part to me, um, you know, be, me being a Nick fan, you had five coaches during your whole Nick career. That's crazy. Think about me having 17 coaches, so every coach sees you differently. <laughs> you know I didn't mean? have the luxury of playing for one coach for eight years, and he knows you inside and out, what he's going to do and what to expect, and you know him. Like, I'm changing every year. I'm a starter. I'm a sixth man. I'm playing the point. I'm coming off the bench. Are uh, you playing three? You're, you know what I mean? Like, I want you to be a scorer. I want you to set guys up. It's, so to have that kind of longevity with all those coaches is crazy. Man. I hear that, man. Um, Jamal Crawford, always a pleasure talking to you, my man. Uh, hopefully you come back soon. He's on Twitter at jcrossover, a good friend of mine. Um, so when or do you have an idea when the, the Seattle Pro-Am, Pro-Am tournament or anything you have going on is going to kick off? Yeah, the Pro-Am kicks off after July, like July 5th. That's when the pros can actually play in it, so we just hold off until then. You know, so that kicks off July 5th, and then – from there, um, you know, it, it just it just steams roll. We have the Fourth of July barbecue in Seattle that we do for the whole city, and then I got my camps. And then this year I'll be a free agent, you know, so it'll be a little bit different in July. But it's just a lot going on. Hey man, uh, good luck to you in the free agency. Um, no matter where you go, you know, I'll always be a fan. Uh, like I told you before, my brother and I are gonna really try to make it out there to the Seattle Pro Am. Um, this summer, because our tournament goes from mid-June to mid-August, so um, we're kind of like in the same time frame. So if, if anything that we can do to get over there and you you to get over here, man, we can do that. I think it'll be great, you know, depending, depending on, the, on the time and scheduling, but I think that'll be something really great to make it happen. That would be great. Let's, let's see what's up. Jamal Crawford, my man, thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. All right.